welcome to the Onyx Pathcast. My name is Matthew Dawkins, and I am joined by my glorious co-host, Dixie Cochran. We're glorious? I'm glorious, glorious. now? That's exciting. Yes, I, I think so. Thank you. I'll take it. And Danielle Lozon, also glorious. I yeah no not not so much right now but thank you for come join me in glory Matthew is I, keeping it upon us I, glory was glory? one of the villains in Buffy season five glorificus yes yes great name great name yeah uh, so <laughs> uh, we're not here to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer as oh, much as Dixie it. would love to yeah I could do that yeah. for longer than an hour easily it, it's been a, <laughs> it has been a while one of my uh, Patreon groups was saying they wanted to play the Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, role playing game which I, mm -hmm. I do own and it is actually a good game yeah it but is that, but that isn't why we're here oh, okay. uh, we, we, we are here for world below reasons the world below reason uh, we are zooming in uh, toward the crowdfunding campaign for The World Below. I don't have a date as of time of recording, but it's going to be pretty soon, within, yeah. let's say, living memory. <laughs> living memory. Yes, yeah, so it's sometime probably in the next hundred years. Yes, yes, I think that's the best, best way to hedge our bets. <laughs> and what we as a group are going to be doing, or you two are going to be doing, and I will be leading you uh, like a, a shepherd to an abattoir, is um... creating characters for the world blow with a mind to playing a session or two of it on this here pathcast. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to do a live play. Um, Eddie will be joining us for that probably. He's just not here today. Uh, but he'll yeah. be bringing, bringing a character to that. So, R.I.P. Eddie's health. Exactly. The reason <laughs> Eddie isn't... Well, Eddie claims it's because he's unwell, but I know the real reason. Did a new uh, game come out? No, no, it's because he was really offended that Kat claimed to be the token Brit on the mm. Onyx Pathcast. Mm -hmm. And I don't, actually, I wouldn't say Eddie was offended. I think Eddie was scared. Eddie <laughs> turned tail and fled. He, he saw his position threatened. And rather than fighting back aggressively, he thought, I've got to fortify, build my enclosure, uh, and, and, and wait for the siege. That cat will launch. Well, that's not the way I do things. I go out onto the battlefield like, what would be a good example? Ajax. Let's say Ajax from <laughs> Troy. I was okay. going to let you do it. I wasn't yeah. going to pick anybody. And, uh, and unfortunately, Ajax died. So cat may be the winner of this uh, this clash of the Brits. Well, that, that's, that's what happens when you go up against the Welsh, right? Yeah. Well, famously, Ajax died in a fight against the Welsh. It's uh, it <laughs> killed by St. George, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say Achilles. And then you Achilles. can, like, yeah, because yeah. then you can drag somebody's body around behind your chariot for a while. Mm, that was Hector, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, it was. In that movie. Um, but, I, you know, I'm going to express complete ignorance. I've got a mental blank right now. I can't remember who the patron saint of Wales... Oh, St. Saint da David is the patron saint of Wales. I don't I think. know. Uh, so I'm sure he slew something. Patron saints in Britain tend to have killed something, you know. Um, is, George is Wales Dragon. part of Britain? Uh, it is. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Oh, yes, the British it is. Empire. <laughs> yeah, th this isn't some debatable thing like some idiot jingoist would say. Well, technically, Ireland is one of the British yeah. Isles. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> mm -mm. Yeah, w Wales is uh, is definitely part of Britain. There is still a part of uh, the Welsh population that would rather that wasn't the mm -hmm. case, and they are entitled to their opinion. I'm sure they're very glad that I've been so magnanimous as an Englishman. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway. I mean, the fact that they're still, like, Welsh. Yeah. They're, right? Like, I mean, Scottish people country. are still Scottish. Yeah. And there's plenty of them who would rather not be part of the UK as well. They, they sure wouldn't. Of course, the UK and Great Britain are two different entities, but that isn't what this pathcast is about. No, we're, we're creating characters, <laughs> right? That's a... Yeah. <laughs> you got really in the weeds there. <laughs> it was super in the weeds. Like, what's going on? Don't get me started on Brittany and the Channel Islands. I mean, that's going back a long way. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, we will reclaim it like Henry V. 
We are talking about the world below and character creation. And for one of you, uh, this isn't the first rodeo you've had with the world below because you may well have contributed to it in written form. Uh, for another one of you, this is your first exposure to mm -hmm. the world below in any kind of depth. Yeah. So I want to say welcome back to Danielle and welcome for the first time to Dixie. Thanks. I'm excited. Like I've I've been you know, hearing about this setting, obviously, since you pitched it uh, on, on, on this very show. It was, but, wasn't it? Yeah, but the more, like, that I hear about it from, like, yeah, blogs, little things like, like, like that, the more I, I really want to dive in. And I'm kind of glad that I get to go in without knowing too much about it, because I find it more fun that way. I get to, like, discover it, as it were. Yes, yes. And and I think uh, character creation, I've said it before, is often, uh, and this sounds like a damning praise, but it is often the most fun part of roleplay. Because yeah. this is when you first get to explore parts of a game, you get feel all motivated and excited about the character you might play, and before the story guide disabuses you of all your hopes and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've I've made more characters in Baldur's Gate three than I've played games. Like <laughs> that's just, I I've always loved character creation. There's a reason I was what what was known as an altaholic when I played World of Warcraft. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, uh, because I had. I had so many characters for both Alliance and Horde. Because uh, yeah. I was like, I want to try everything. This will be fun, you know? And yeah, it's just fun to make new characters. So I am I am happy to do this. Especially now that I'm like, I've got the chapters two and three open, which is where the, the ancestries and then the, the, the rest of character creation are. Mm. And looking at the character sheet that I have, and I'm like, this is going to be cool. Because it's my first real rodeo with Story Path Ultra, too. So yeah, having yeah. a good time. It's going to be exciting. Uh, so really quickly, um, mm. before we dig into character creation, even though oh, we start good. with, uh, even though we start with a dawn, we've, we've already said depth and dig in, and I just hope that these are all intentional puns. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, they are. Thank you for noticing. Um, <laughs> it, it, even though we start with dawn and dialectic, I would like to make sure that we don't make the same calling. Um, and I would like to think oh, about totally. my calling as uh, as I create my character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, Dixie, did you take a look at the callings? Do you have one in mind that sounded interesting to you? I did look at them. Um, I am not attached to any of them yet because they're all new to me. So if you have one that you really want to play, why don't you pick yours? Okay. I think... I'm like I was kind of debating between an alchemist or a farsighter. Okay. Uh, two very different like niches, but both kinds of character types that I like to play. So the alchemist is kind of your like sorcerer character, where chaosists are maybe more like wizards, or maybe that's backwards. Yeah, I would actually I'd probably put it the other way around. Although yeah. it's, a, it's, still, it's still a good comparison. They both have a spell casting element. Right. Uh, chaosists and alchemists. Uh, alchemists are more, I guess, narratively speaking, I guess, more ritualized. Obviously, you can picture an alchemist in a lab or experimenting mm -hmm. with ores and minerals and things like that before setting off some kind of grand explosion or experiments. So they have a scientific element to them as well. Yes, uh, which, I, where, which I like. Mm, uh, whereas sorcerers are, at least some of them, sorcerers are divided into two groups, not mechanically, at least not in the core book. Uh, between wilders and uh, violets. You mean chaosists? Chaosists, my apologies. And uh, chaosists are, yeah, they the wilders, who are probably the most common form of chaosists, are the kinds who will instinctively pull upon sort of the threads of chaos to yeah. uh, create whatever devastating or curative or alteration effect that they're trying to implement, often with uh, with hilarious consequences. <laughs> right. Um, and then the other, so Farsighters are kind of like your face, face characters, so they're yeah. uh, they are diplomatic and they talk to people and they, they're, they're kind of like Weirdly, like druid, but in the not in the shapeshifter way, but in the like knowledgeable sage of the world kind of way. Yeah, they speak to the world, or at least they claim they can hear it, uh, right. and so they straddle the line somewhere in in what I find quite an interesting 
flux of or conflux of paladin, druid, and diviner, if you were yes. to look at it from a D&D perspective, which yeah. I think is a perfectly fair way to look at any kind yeah. of system where you're building characters. Uh, it's a nice touchstone. Uh, yeah, so they have the paladin elements of often being community leaders, often mm -hmm. being the individuals people will look up to for guidance. They have the druidic element of often they have an ability to command uh, flora, but they also have a natural attunement to the world around them. They can sense disasters coming and so on. And that, of course, also ties into divination. Mm -hmm. They, uh, I guess, third aspect is that anticipation side, that oracular ability. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, they sort of tie all of that up into the package of farsight. They can, they can, in theory, see the future. Therefore, people entrust them with their lives and families and communities and resources because, you know, who better than someone who can tell what's coming uh, to, to put your faith in? Uh, so, yeah, uh, if you're thinking alchemist or farsighter... Uh, so I, I will say to the listeners by the way, that uh, you can approach character creation in this game and any Story Path Ultra game from basically any point on the character creation flow. It The question is, what inspires you as the player? Are you most driven to one of the callings, to one of the dawns, one of the dialectics? Because in this game, uh, you can choose which of these is your major path. Mm -hmm. And that's going to give you greater benefits at the end of character creation than your secondary or minor paths. So, yeah, uh, it sounds like you definitely have that alchemist or farsighter in mind. Yeah. So while we've been chatting away, I imagine, knowing Dixie, she's probably <laughs> been feverishly looking through some of the other material. Yeah, a little bit. What, out of everything that's in this uh, book and the chapters you're looking at right now, is speaking to you, Dixie? <laughs> this is so silly. The thing that I keep coming back to is that I get they can talk to mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. I, I love them. Is it my my celly? My I'd say my celly, but I think Marcelli, uh, my celly. My celly. Yeah, I, I, I. It doesn't really matter. Listen, I, I just think talking to mushrooms sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of fungi in the yeah. in the world below, and so yeah, it certainly helps to be able to have communion with it. Um, it also can allow you to develop a certain robustness. Uh, there are some uh, syntheses that you can access as a mycelae, where you can essentially harvest yourself for for food. It's it's pretty grotesque, but I love it. It's I grotesque it. as players, as inhabitants of the world below. It's probably a part of, it's a necessary part of survival in some cases. It's good to have some of the mycelite dialectic because you know that for a while at least your food isn't going to run out. Yeah, so I I, I like that. As far as my um calling, I am of course the Les Ombre player is drawn to the silhouettes, right? Mm -hmm. Uh because they're cool like it was it, it was that or hunter but i think i like silhouette i think i like embracing being like a creepy character who does things in the dark because that's kind of you know the world below yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. and so being a character who uses the dark and talks to mushrooms which famously grow in the dark mm -hmm. aside from the eight million poisonous <laughs> ones growing outside my apartment right now yeah um <laughs> There's a bunch of like green gill mushrooms outside of my apartment. You shouldn't. Oh, them. they will you hurt can't you. Even smoke them. <laughs> Do you smoke mushrooms? Um, you well, eat mushrooms. Yes, yes. <laughs> you still just eat them. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think I think I want to be a mycelial silhouette, which is, uh, mm. you know, the, like comparable to like a a rogue type class. Mm-hmm. Uh, or an slash assassin. assassin slash yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I'll probably use it more in the like spy situation like it's like a sneaky thief spy person mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah um but i i also like it because one of it is about knowing like all the weird secret passages being able to squeeze into tight places and stuff and i think that's a that's a fun character mm -hmm. yeah so, uh yeah, yeah. silhouettes uh, as you mentioned they have a rogue element to them they uh, and i think they are 
they and the Holies probably are the closest, uh, at least at face value, analogs to another uh, to a class in D and D. In the sense that a silhouette feels quite close to a rogue, mm-hmm. a holy feels quite close to a cleric. But also doing like toxic potions and resisting poison and stuff seems like it works with the mycelae really yeah. well. Yeah, because uh, those, those, those seem to complement each other. So Exactly. And the thing about uh, being able to f- locate and squeeze into space as well, there's a, uh, I guess, a form of contortionist and body transmutation mm-hmm. aspects to silhouettes as well, where if to invoke vampire a little, uh, even a bit vicissitude-y, mm-hmm. Um yep. Where with some of the sorceries you get access to with that calling, yeah, you can really start altering the the elements that that make you up, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that can go into some pretty wild directions. Okay. So now that we've got those base things, I guess we can start making characters. <laughs> what is your dialectic, D? <laughs> I don't know yet. We haven't gotten okay. there. Okay, 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 we'll, we'll start over. over okay, place. so we'll go back to the beginning of character <laughs> creation now that we've picked some, like, random things. Okay, cool. Uh, so, for people listening to this who have no idea what we're talking about, the World Below Ashcan edition, uh, which is on DriveThruRPG and costs a bare handful of dollars, uh, is, is a good book to start off with. I mean, it's the only uh, World Below book that's out right now as it does provide characters and write-ups for some of the callings and dialectics and what we will soon be talking about as well, dawns that are in the game. Uh, Every character is constructed of three paths, which if you're familiar with a classic story path, you will already know uh, that that is still the case in this story path ultra game. And uh, each path grants you access to different things, which we will very soon see. So... Uh, in theory, when uh, creating character, the first thing you're supposed to do is come up with a winning concept. Uh, so it often helps to come back to concept if you don't have one already, of course. Sometimes, if you're not already familiar with the game, concept can be the hardest thing. You need the building blocks before you can start sort of adding paint to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have a strong idea in mind already because you know the world below, feel free to announce it. If not, we can come back to concept. Well, sounds like we'll come back to it. <laughs> I, no, I no. have a concept. Uh, oh, do. you do, you do. Okay, Danielle, please tell us. Uh, I am, my character concept, I, I was noodling a cool character concept based on your little um, uh, descriptor title action. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to do a concept. And so I, uh, I decided that I am a gregarious chef who experiments. Okay, I can see the kind of character you're going to build. I was going to be a chef, damn it. You can All be right. a team of chefs. This is a good <laughs> be thing. a team of chefs, yes. No, no, th- this is a good thing about the Dawns, and specifically the guilds, because mm-hmm. I, I imagine you're both going to end up being uh, gastrovores from the kitchen. Right. Uh, you, it does not uh, make any part of character creation redundant as mm-hmm. a party if you're members of the same guild at yep. all. There's more than enough abilities to go around that you will not be needing to duplicate things and provides a built-in story reason for why you're working together. Uh, I think there's a natural assumption when building characters in role-playing games that everyone has to be different. And to use the vampire example, the vast majority of coteries you see, there's someone, every player is playing a different clan. Mm-hmm. And D&D, everyone is a different class. And in that game, there is more sense to it because there tends to be a certain balance you're trying to achieve between mm-hmm. martial, magical, healer, sneaky... Uh, in the world below, there are so many tiny elements of character creation that can be tweaked and adjusted, and it's the same across Story Path and Story Path Ultra, that, yeah, duplication is by no means a bad thing. It's it's good mm-hmm. for story. Now, I mean, we did that with uh, Trinity, didn't we, when we played our game and we were members... Well, we weren't members of the same society when we played uh, your game, Danielle. Yes, but but we uh, Dixie and I were when we played Eddie's game, mm-hmm. if I remember. It was a long time ago. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I don't know what a lot of these words mean in the create a concept thing. Well, so. allow me to like, elucidate. I know what all the descriptors mean, but some of these titles are made up words that yeah. I've never heard before. Well, 
That's a very good point. So if we're in the concept area, for instance, uh, Danielle's already pointed out that uh, I recommend in this book that you pair descriptors with titles and actions. It is very much paying tribute to the way Monty Cook Games does uh, I'm an adjective noun who verbs. Uh, it's, it is an excellent way of creating characters, and uh, and this is our version of that. Um, so the descriptors, pretty simple. Uh, aggressive, amusing, bloodthirsty, etc. When it comes to titles, this is where it starts invoking elements of the setting. So an Adamus is a jewel-based dialectic. A dialectic is a way in which your character attunes to the world below. Uh, you could see that as a physical mutation. You could see it as a spiritual one. Adamus are characters who yeah, are more um, mineral-based, essentially, and they can develop powers that relate to precious stones. Um, and Agosbeer is someone from the settlement of Agosby. Uh, mm. And then you have alchemist, cartographer, that kind of speak for themselves, some other words that do. The various titles are basically all tied to a different aspect of the game. Some mm. more apparent than others. Some, at first read, you may not be able to access because you don't know the game. And that's fine, because the second character you create after you've read it or played it, you might go for one of those. So, basically, go for whatever appeals. I picked Chef, which isn't in that example. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I can make my character a cook who likes to like be i decided i'm going to go with alchemist but i decided i'm going to be like a kitchen alchemist yeah i mean you could be a harvester or something like that if you want uh, dixie so there's a there's a chain of production <laughs> oh yeah because you talk to the mushrooms mm. no which ones are good and which ones are bad no yeah. i might change mine i was really looking forward to being like a chef chef so i'm gonna do something else okay okay and... i haven't read all these yet so yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I will. Uh, I'll meander on. Okay. Um, while you're still reading, and then you get actions, which are again, this is just a way of creating a concept. Pair a descriptor with a title and the kind of thing they like to do, like builds or digs or cooks or hunts or murders, preaches, whatever you like. You don't need to stick to these; they have no mechanical bearing on your character. This is just a way of developing a picture in your head, hopefully, or on paper, that um, enables you to start putting your character together. Uh, subsequently, you can come up with a character name, mm -hmm. and uh, if you so wish, again, some people find this to be the hardest part of character creation, uh, you can come back to it later. Uh, the suggestion I make in the manuscript is to, if you're stuck, take a real-world historical name and just adjust a letter or two, if you don't mm -hmm. want it to sound mm -hmm. real-world, historical, biblical, or, or similar. Uh, and so most of the uh, suggested names, except Breen, are exactly like that. You really put Breen in there, of course you did. Yeah, well, you know, Breen is a, is a name of nobility, uh, goes back in time all the way to antiquity. Uh, I imagine there's other Easter eggs littered throughout. <laughs> Rich is there clenching his fists and shouting at the speaker right now. <laughs> you, did, you did what? <laughs> so, as that this is going on, uh, we mentioned in character creation as well that concept collaboration is worthwhile. Obviously, speak to each other. We are already doing that. Uh, allow your ideas to bounce off of each other, but also complement each other. Uh, say, your hair looks nice today, thank you very much, but mostly <laughs> your character uh, works with my character idea, or let's both come from the same town, or let's be following the same objective. You don't have to do that, the story guide can make that kind of thing up for you, but if you want to come up with an idea together, that is perfectly viable. Yeah, I guess, like, after I've looked at everything, I, I guess I will stick with the kitchen. I just don't mm -hmm. want to be second fiddle. I want us to be a team. That's, like, my, mm -hmm. the most important thing. Yeah. Because often the chef is the important one and everybody else is kind of their assistant, you know? Yeah. So I am a forager, I suppose. All right. Or, Excellent. Or, or something in, in that nature. I'm, I'm still really... There's a lot to be reading while I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> yeah, <is>. well. <laughs> yes. All right, then. So... While you're cementing those details, Dixie, I will uh, talk briefly or at length about the Dawn Path. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Okay. Uh, so this, uh, when we were designing the game, we were going to put calling first because for much the reason Danielle suggested, you know, a lot of people will go toward their class, if you will, before they look at anything else. They want to know what purpose they serve in a party, and that's totally reasonable. Uh, but what became apparent was by doing that through the manuscript, uh, it meant that people were looking at their background and their dialectic, essentially their attunement, uh, as very much as peripheral. Uh, they were looking at the character as a class only mm -hmm. and not where they were from or what they were doing, why they wanted to do it that sort of thing. So it uh, became clear that our token Brit, Kat Evans, in fact, suggested it, that we should put uh, Dawn uh, at, the, at the head of the list, and uh, he was right, quite right to suggest it. So a Dawn is a multi-part path. Uh, it's called a Dawn because even though there is no sun, there is no solar entity in the world below, the uh, world below's inhabitants still have a great deal of mythology that surrounds the sun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the callings, in fact, is quite closely tied to the idea of the sun. So it's one of these mythological things of a land that's been lost to them, forgotten in some places. And so they, they use the term dawn in-game just as much as, they, as we do out of game. Uh, of course, Dawn has a double meaning. It's your origin. This is where you come from. It has four elements to it, and they're all pretty simple. You've got your ancestry, which is not necessarily your genetic background, although it can be. It's more who raised you. So just because you have chosen, let's say, Elv as your ancestry doesn't mean you have to look like the archetypal D&D &D elf. You can, if you want. Um, but you could just as easily have been a human or a Makiru or one of the other options that has who has been raised in a family of elves or raised to believe in certain Elkin myths or legends. Uh, so ancestry has an impact on some elements of your character, um, namely... So let me just get all of this. Ancestry is tied to what something called your momentum generator. Right. Momentum generator is, as the name implies, a simple way of generating momentum in the game. Momentum serves much the same purpose as it did in Story Path Classic. It is the ability to assign yourself things like enhancements or um, reroll certain dice, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, you also have, as part of your Dawn Path, your uh, community or settlement. Uh, the only difference between the two, other than size, is communities tend to be moving, nomadic uh, or diasporic, uh, whereas settlements are, well, or again, tend to be solidly placed in a single location. Uh, that determines the skills your character will end up with at the start of character creation. Uh, then you have dogma. Dogma is either your religious belief or your philosophy. Uh, there are a selection presented in the game. These determine your aspirations or influence your aspirations. Again, you don't have to go by the book on this, and you can invent your own if you so wish. Uh, and finally, you have your guild. And uh, the guilds are a way of basically keeping humanoid cultures together working in a set direction Ten tends to be survival but all kinds of ancillary benefits of mapping tunneling cooking good food and cooking safe food all of that falls within guilds and uh, guilds influence the attributes you have access to because this is what you've been trained to do from a young age they have basically if you want to be i guess blunt about it, in a way shaped your body and mind so that you can serve a specific purpose for the other mm -hmm. people of the world below. Uh, so, there, obviously there's some crossover. You might think a guild might impact your skills. Uh, mm -hmm. You can certainly build a character that does that. Um, you might think that your genetic heritage might affect your attribute dots, because it does in some games. Um, but, yeah, um, we assign it as I have uh, laid out. 
So community settlement affects skills. Uh, guild affects attributes. Dogma affects aspirations. And finally, your ancestry affects your momentum generator. Uh, so, I've been talking at length largely so that my uh, glorious co-hosts mm -hmm. can start working their way through some of the options. Well, I, I have a question. Yeah. This is the most, one of the most important things to me when I'm making a character, is mm -hmm. what do these ancestries look like? There's no description. I'm assuming we're just waiting for art. Uh, so I have no idea what these six peoples look like aside from humans, which I'm pretty uh, sure like humans. Uh, that's a very good question. So, for instance, the yeah, humans look as, as humans look, with all the diversity that uh, humans imply, along with more diversity, uh, given that this is a fantasy world. Uh, elves are, or elfkin. Similarly, uh, you can quite easily apply uh, the typical mm -hmm. uh, appearance of elves to the elves in the world below. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now, things get a little different with Darves, our version of dwarves. Uh, they are not specifically short people. Um, I, I Generally because, and I'm not trying to make a pun here, I find that kind of stereotype a bit reductive mm. uh, for dwarves. Instead, Darves are a... They tend to be stout muscular, but mainly tattooed and heavily loyal and utterly dedicated to things like excavations. They certainly have some dwarf stereotypes and guilds and industry and so far so forth. So that doesn't necessarily imply appearance, except they have a certain ruddiness to them. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they are, I guess, hard bitten. But again, your ancestry doesn't have to imply how you look unless you are biologically descended from them, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, Hobgob I want to know yeah. what my character can look like, I guess is, is, is the question, which is why I'm yeah. asking what they look like. Uh, so hobgobs are your, are your goblinoids. Mm -hmm. uh, so they could range anything from orc-like to goblin or even kobold-like if you want. But hobgobs have a more fey side to them. They, aren't, they don't tend to be brutish. Mm -hmm. uh, they are more... Uh, Willow the Wispy or um, or Changeling-like, uh, if you will. Makiru are born as rats and grow to humanoid size but maintain rat-like features. Uh, they actually vary. Uh, some have more human features than others. Uh, so some might look human but have large ears, um, overbites, you know, whiskers. Uh, others are going to be completely covered in fur and basically look like human-sized rats, complete with a tail. Okay. Um, Anticia, which is one of our other ancestries, is our, I guess, serpent folk. And again, they run the gamut of uh, humanoid-style creatures with all four limbs, no tail but scales, all the way through to, I guess, your, what were they called, Abomination Huanti in... Uh, D&D, &D, so uh, massive snake with a tail and human arms is about the only thing that separates it from just being a snake standing yeah. up. Like the like the naga or the uh, the snakes that we wrote for Pugmire. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that mm, covers them. There may be more. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that. Like the ones I was most curious about were the the dards and tissues and hobgobs because the mm. the makiru are actually described. Yeah. Um, and elves and humans obviously make sense. But yeah, no, that, that 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 makes a lot more sense to me now because I was like, what are these things? What do they look like? What do they what do they want? Is 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 there an ancestry that you want to play, D? Uh, I'm gonna be a hobgob. Cool. Are you going to look like a hobgob? Um, so I'm just really, really short, kinda pudgy. Uh and otherwise like my um I otherwise my dialectic is going to kinda Define the way I look. Oh, okay. Mm -mm -mm. I like that. So, what about you, Dixie? Are you leaning in a particular direction? Well, I was leaning towards Hopcom, but now I don't want to make the same character again. <laughs> uh, so, I, I think I'll do an Anticia. It'll be my third time playing a snake person in a completely different game. Yeah. I've played a Pugmire snake and I've played a uh, Scarredlands snake. Now, and I am absolutely going to be one of the Anticia that does not have legs because I do not like legged snake people. I think they should be cool and slithery. 
<laughs> so down with lizards and up with serpents, basically. I just think it's cool when you see somebody that has like a you know vaguely human upper body and they're slither on a little tail. And also mm -hmm. with my character, I'm playing a silhouette who's supposed to be all like slithery and yeah, yeah. And stuff, so it makes sense to me. Okay, lovely. Uh, so, with Ancestries in mind, we also have um, Community and Settlements come. Now, there's a lot of options in this game. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, we don't need to go through all of them uh, for, for the sake mine. of this podcast. Well, that helps. I've also picked mine. <laughs> all right, then. So, Dixie, I'm going to say mine first this time, so that yeah. it doesn't sound like I'm just copying T on everything. Uh, I'm picking Turk. Oh, you're uh, almost dirty surface born, almost. Yeah, yeah, but I like their skill list, and also I like just being from like a a weird dismal place that I have mm -hmm. left. You know, like it it gives you a good reason to leave. And uh, for the sake of listeners, what is the Tark skill list? Uh, Esoterica, medicine, and persuasion. Hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, the reason the people of Tark are so interested in things like Esoterica is because living that close to the surface, they are one of the most skyward settlements that still exists in the world below. Uh, they are looking for magical ways of defending themselves and getting out. Uh, medicine, because there's an awful lot of toxin and disease that comes from above. Uh, and uh, persuasion, well, if those two don't work, maybe you can persuade a passing caravan to pick you up and uh, take you the hell away from Tark. Yeah, which is probably what my character did. <laughs> I'm sure there are some good things in Tark, but I've not written about any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I was just flipping through them, looking mostly at the like actual skills, but then I... Mm. I I kind of liked that, that I, I, I came from essentially one of the worst places, and I've just delved deeper. Yeah. Away from uh away from Tark. Okay. And uh how about you, Danielle? So actually, man, I was thinking about Orcaster. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I think I'm gonna go with Telver's Hearth. Okay. I like Telver's Hearth. It seems like a nice place to be. Yeah, so Telver's Hearth is kind of this uh sprawling town deep, deep, deep in the stratosphere. <laughs> and <laughs> Uh, and the habitat is kind of diverse. There's a lot of metals. There's a lot of stone and things that has made it very, uh, like, defensible. Mm. Um, and it has a bunch, like, all the guilds kind of have a section there. And um, there's a lot of, like, entertainment. And it's kind of like this really happening place to be. Um, so I kind of like that. Uh, also, it gives me science. Yeah. Um, so uh, it is the skill list for Telver's Hearth is close combat leadership and science. Okay. So when you get, if you end up choosing alchemist, uh, you may end up wanting to swap a skill out later, but that's fine um, if you get science at that point. Um, but yeah, Telver's Hearth is definitely, I guess, our Waterdeep or Baldur's Gate in yeah. the sense that it is largely cent or roughly central as mm -hmm. far as most maps of the world below are concerned. It is a cosmopolitan hub. Uh, the Ferris Road, uh, which is the main method of transit uh, downward, although it's still pretty rough, passes through Telvers Hearth. Like you say, lots of metals. Uh, the settlement has, in fact, huge sheets of iron panels uh, studded into some of the walls and roofs around there, uh, apparently to block off unwanted tunnels. Uh, although, who knows what's on the other side of them. So, I'm sure it's a perfectly lovely place to live. In terms of dogma, then... Uh, uh, dogma is, as mentioned, your faith or your philosophy. Uh, there are a handful optioned in the core book. And again, this is a place where you can have the same beliefs uh, because these are going to govern an element of your character which is very easily, I guess, customizable. Um, so, of the dogmas that are presented... Have either of the two of you got one in mind? I will say here and now, most people in my experience of playtesting this go for Fortuna. Uh, <laughs> because it seems like the most reasonable uh, faith. Although, you know, the uh, Church of Golthon isn't too bad. 
Uh, do you have one in mind, Dixie? The, the two that I find most interesting are sadly the two that are, like, evil, and so I don't want to play either of those. Oh, there's only one that's out-and-out out evil, I would say. You wouldn't say that Well Worship and Rot are both kind of evil? Because they both seem well, kind of evil. I, I would say the Vrot are pretty damn evil. The Well Worship, it, I wouldn't describe it as such. I think the Well, although a lot of people are going to approach this game and see the Well as antagonistic, is in a sense, and it isn't built to be a like-for-like -like, uh, comparison to anything in the real world, but it has the same kind of omnipresence as, let's say, the Catholic Church in Europe in the Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. You may not like it, but it's there. Chaos is all around you, chaos rocks are all around you, and it all ties back to the well. So worshipping the well is a perfectly normal thing to do. It is, one could say, propping up the establishment or the mm -hmm. established order. So if you don't want to play that kind of character, then it might not be for you. But um, Interesting. for any hobgobs in the party, well worship is a natural um, mm -hmm. thing to gravitate toward because of your ancestry's belief, or at least some hobgobs believe, that it's the power from the well that basically freed them from their surface slavery. Uh, so, so yeah. Uh, but yes, anyway, well worship is a reasonable thing to have for your character, Dixie. Mm -hmm. it, it occurred to me that after I've been playing uh, Baldur's Gate, that the hobgobs are essentially just really short Githyanki. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's a good comparison. Well, I'm going to play the Hades tract because I find that fun. I do I like wanna, gloomy. I want to think that I'm already dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I picked Fortuna because. Good for you. D despite your <laughs> admonition that everybody no, no, picked Fortuna. <laughs> I like it. I mean, uh, my favorite one is Fortuna as well. I think it's it adds a nice. A chaotic with a ch element to the world below because they are gamblers they mm -hmm. they believe strongly in tipping luck and poetic justice irony things like that and that's always a fun thing to play but but likewise the hades tract isn't a religion per se it is it is more of a philosophy yeah uh, and and i i'd like that one a great deal as well yeah. i'm always drawn to I, death gods yeah i do really like the the concept of the hades tract um where it's like ah we're already dead we all died in whatever happened above. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's kind of fun. All right, then. So last thing to determine is your guild, and I think you're both going for the kitchen, aren't you? Yeah, yes. All right, then. So uh, as I've been rattling on again at length, I hope that you've taken the opportunity to note down the skills, and uh, you will have been assigned attribute dots as well. Uh, based on the guilds you've chosen. Uh, of course, you can assign them across the arenas specified as you so wish. Uh, if you don't want to choose a major path yet, you can do that later. I haven't done any of that because I don't know how many dots to put in each thing because I'm well, flipping back and forth between two chapters. On the um, So in both the assign your attributes attribute dot section of character creation and also in the go. pathways into the world below, uh, section. If you go onto the kitchen part of Pathways into the World Below, at the bottom of that guild description, it will say how many dots you get. Okay, it's so, like one mental and three physical. That's right. Okay. Most people who end up choosing the kitchen put their physical dots in stamina for some reason, almost like they mm -hmm. plan to be eating poison all the time. What? <laughs> I didn't do that. I definitely did that. <laughs> <laughs> and you get the rest of your attributes from your dialectic, right? Uh, you'll get attributes from dialectic and your calling. Yes. Okay, I'm trying to figure out which one is going to be my major, because there's a lot a lot here. Uh, so, yeah, if you don't want to choose yet, that's fine. Just treat everything as a minor path. There is the option at the end to assign major path retroactively. Mm -hmm. So just for the benefit of the listeners while we're going through this, obviously taking um, Danielle and Dixie through this blow by blow and trying to give a description to you as well, the listeners uh, means that we are taking our time with it, and how uh, we may even extend this to an, uh, another recording, uh, so that we get two fully fleshed out characters. But uh, in my experience now, having playtested the world below as a well story guide and as a player, if you have the material in front of you and you don't have me yammering on uh, about, <laughs> about everything wonderful about Tark and and Telvis Hearth and all the rest. 
you can create a character within about 15, 20 minutes. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. it's, it's not difficult, um, but yeah, uh, in, in this case, we're demonstrating every element of character creation, so uh, <laughs> that, that's why we're, we're taking our time. Yeah, no, I'm just trying, like I said, figuring out exactly where to mark everything. Yeah, yeah, well, that is all fine. Uh, so, yeah, I will say, I mentioned Major Paths earlier. I'll just talk to the listeners about them. So, in Story Path Ultra, uh, and specifically the world below, in this case, uh, you choose whether your uh, Dawn, your Dialectic, or your Calling is your Major Path. At their simplest, uh, all the differences between a Major Path and a Minor Path is Major Paths give you more attribute, skill, well, attribute dots, skill dots, and contact than minor paths. Uh, they also give you one additional point in the associated, what we call heroic talent, in the world below. So if you chose Dawn, you get an extra dot in Theses. If you chose Synthesis, or oh, sorry, if you chose Dialectic, one extra Synthesis. If you chose Calling, one extra Sorcery. Simple as that. Um, now, you can, if you go into this with a very clear vision in mind, choose your major path as you're going from top to bottom. But it is just as simple to make everything a minor path, and then when you get to the end of character creation, say, okay, I think my character is defined by their dawn, and at that point you'd assign your additional points um, you know, as pertains to whichever uh, which one you chose. So it's a nice easy way of doing it, and it weights the character in a way that hopefully puts a certain element of your character forward as, as their defining feature. One of uh, our, I think, pre-generated characters in, well, both the Ashcan version and the core book is Zyans, who is a hunter Templar, and the Temple of the Benevolent Earth is one of the dogmas. And although he is very strongly a hunter, he is probably a an adherent of the Temple of the Benevolent Earth more than anything else. And as Dogma forms part of his Dawn, Dawn is his major path. I just felt when writing that character that his faith probably defines him more than anything else. So, yeah, it made sense. And as that was the case, he ended up with more attribute dots, more skill dots, more contacts, and an additional dot in theses, because those are the things that are specifically tied to his Dawn. All right, so mm -hmm. I've I've done my blurb. How are you both getting on? <laughs> Did all right. Uh, you only get twelve dots of skills total at character creation. No. Okay. So, but where do the other ones come from? Because it's six, so, three, and three for your path. And mm -hmm. then after that, you have a section that's kind of like uh, extra ones. Yeah, you you have like a personal interest step. Okay, yeah. cool. I, I haven't gotten there yet, obviously, because I'm trying to assign these as I go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and as I say, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, you will end up getting three personal interest skill dots to assign to any skills. Uh, in I know that is jumping ahead, but it's worth pointing out, because when creating a character, you might think, well, my character is really specialized. And mm -hmm. that can be off-putting. Some players really don't like to feel like their character is focused in one way or another. Having some personal interest skill dots sort of takes the sting out of that somewhat. Or okay. um, if you're feeling like this is too weak to be a starting character, you can always assign those personal interest dots to your path skills and just make yourself a better version of a hunter or an alchemist or whatever you happen to be. Okay, cool. All right, then. So I'll briefly go into what uh, aspirations are and momentum generator. I think this will end up being two recordings. Um, so That's okay. hopefully, yeah, hopefully people are down with that. Uh, so although we may have to record the second one uh, later in the week or next week, I'll just have to mark where we got to. <laughs> I think uh, I think we can figure out <laughs> our scheduling <laughs> off the podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, so aspirations, uh, much again, as they were in Story Path Classic, are a means of generating experience during the course of gameplay. There are various ways of generating experience, but aspirations are specifically tied to your belief in this case, uh, your dogma. And so they are a means of uh, basically playing your character in a way that your dogma would appreciate, in a way that you've been taught, and as a result, they 
generate experience for you. When you create your character, uh, you assign two short-term aspirations and one long-term aspiration linked to your dogma. Each of the dogmas in the book provides examples of what those might be. Uh, your momentum generator, same kind of thing, except it generates momentum during the course of gameplay. And as already mentioned, this is uh, tied to your character's ancestry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, once again, in the ancestry section of uh, chapter two, it will actually tell, give you several examples of what that momentum generator could be. And finally, you get your dawn contacts. You get three if this is your major path, one if it's a minor. And your contact is an individual with a tag. If you are familiar with Story Path, you will know that a tag is a means by which a item typically can be used uh, that can unlock specific tricks or affect people in certain ways. People can have tags as well, uh, which can be everything from archive or mentor or, uh, let's say, fence, you know, for hawking stolen goods or... That kind of thing. Cartographer. Anything really can be a tag. You assign it to your contact, and it provides them with a certain value to you that you can use in the course of the game. Uh, players sometimes like to come up with their contacts themselves. Sometimes they like to say to the story guide, please can you come up with contacts for me? And that's just as valid a way to do it. Mm -hmm. Totally. Uh, what about the two of you? Have you come up with any contacts for your characters? Uh, I have a my Dawn contact so far um is a person named Lilbit, uh who is a dangerous person in Tulver's hearth uh so Ooh. they have the dangerous tag mm, that's a fun tag mm -hmm. how about you dixie i do not trying to look at tables and things which i'm doing right now flipping through uh when they're not laid out yet is a nightmare so mm -hmm. <laughs> probably somebody else from the Hades track, maybe. I don't know what to name them. I can name them later. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll just call them... Uh, in fact, I was going to go for a name that... Uh, we'll just call them Skull for now, because Skull's a good name. <laughs> if I was a member of the Hades track, I'd be called Skull. That just makes me think of Cindy the Skull from Disco Elysium. <laughs> uh, where is, is there a list of tags that I'm just not saying? Or is it just pick a random thing? Uh, there is uh, somewhere in this... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> list of tags. Uh, so let's see. I will find them for I you. I like picking off a list if I can. Ooh, this character creation Q&A at the end of this chapter is great. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is super helpful. Oh, hey, hey, tags. Here they are. Yeah. Back down here in What Do Contacts Do? Let's make them um, an informant. Oh. Skull, no shit. Also, their <laughs> name is now Skull, just canonically, because you named them that. Yep. <laughs> Inventive people in the world below. Naming each other after <laughs> body parts. <laughs> Skull daughter of pelvis. So. I mean, at least it's, it's better than his sister, Ribcage, you know? Yes. Oh, yeah, no one likes Ribcage. I mean, spleen is never wanted. <laughs> so, on to dialectic. I think we've got just enough time to go into dialectic. Uh, Dawn is arguably the most complicated part of character creation, I mm -hmm. will add, because it has these four elements and because it is so fundamental to where your character's from, what they believe, what kind of mission mm -hmm. they're pursuing personally. Dialectic is a lot simpler. The word may not seem so, naturally, because it doesn't come up often in, in English, but uh, essentially it is your attunement to the world around you. It's your understanding of it, and it's how you give back to it. It is your understanding of the world below and how it affects you. And I say um, that in the sense that dialectic can be a physical transformation, it can be a spiritual, spiritual one, or it can just be a form of belief. We already have some... Well, we've already got one in mind with my sea life for Dixie's character. Uh, you also have the option of Adamus. Those are our social, radiant, jewel, bejeweled characters. Elementals, who kind of speak for themselves. Plutonics, they carry a fragment of the Abyss in them. Uh, then you have the Kayabaka, who are attuned to chaos. And... And the scarabs, who develop increasingly bug-like mannerisms, features, and again, attunement to the uh, native insect life. Not all of them insects, of course. 
in the world below. So we know that's uh, what Eddie's going to play, right? <laughs> almost certainly. If, <laughs> if uh, history is anything to go by. Dixie plays snakes, Eddie plays bugs. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so once again, dialectic is going to affect the number of the skills you get and the number of points you get to assign to them. Same with attributes and same with contact. Later, it will also have an effect on your syntheses, just as your dawn, I didn't cover this, will affect your theses. These are your, to use terminology people will be very familiar with, edges and gifts. Uh, very similar in idea, except your dawn affects uh, a thesis that you have access to, your dialectic affects your synthesis. It uh, follows that your dawn affects the way you project outwards, your thesis, your understanding, and synthesis is how the world below responds to you, hence synthesis. It mixes with you and affects you via your dialectic. So, we know Mycelae for uh, Dixie of the Hades tract. Also, I'm making that my uh, major path. Okay. It was the thing you gravitated toward first of all, so I think that makes sense. Talking to mushrooms just sounds cool. I don't know. It's weird. My sea light have a particular attunement to an elemental thing called the dark in the world below, which is a. It's not the abyss uh, in a sort of tangible, obtenebrative sense, uh, but it is. A darkness separate from natural darkness. It's a place where essentially you can become weightless, lose yourself, lose track of where the walls and the floor are. And it tends to be that you can navigate the dark and emerge elsewhere, but finding your way through it through your normal senses is really quite tricky, unless you are a mycelae. Yeah, I also figure that as a silhouette who can adopt the dark as a weapon, that makes sense to have those two things work together. Exactly, they pair up nicely. So what of you, Danielle? I'm going with the... Uh, is it Kiyobaka? Yep. So uh, I have decided that they... Uh, that this character is just d deeply cursed. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> love it, love it. Um, and is a... What I like to think is that they were a hobgob who was very into chaos. Mm. and and you know putting it on them and started essentially eating uh like chaos rocks okay as you do yes yeah, yeah sometimes uh <laughs> and cooking <laughs> chaos rocks into meals mm -hmm. and experimenting with chaos rocks and started to kind of this dialectic kind of formed out of it yeah and it instead of being chosen as this kind of like attunement to chaos that it wound up accidentally forcing on themselves mm. And so they are, they see it as a good thing, right? Uh, they can manipulate luck now, um, which hail Fortuna, um, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, this is great. This is exactly what I was looking for. Um, but everybody around them is just kind of like, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> yes, you have a belly full of chaos rocks. Yes. So I think uh, this has made them go from being like a normal looking hobgob mm. to being like this kind of glowy violet skinned like voids her eyes abomination kind of thing oh beautiful that's that's lovely yes i like i like that a lot you can pick like weird mutations oh yeah well you can look however you like in this game and I'm there absolutely are absolutely a snake who's growing mushrooms a lot out of myself Oh, that yes, is perfect. That's delightful. I'm absolutely just a weird fungal snake, then. Uh, I love apologies it. to any listeners who are very... I know there's a lot of people who are very sensitive to the idea of fungi. I blame The Last of Us for that. Yeah, well... <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I think that's great. That really works for the world below. And when you come to pick your syntheses later, uh, you can certainly find things that play... Uh, well, tie in to the fungal growths. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so like... Wish. As as most people have been doing recently, I've also been playing Baldur's Gate three, mm -hmm. and uh, there's a whole like group of myconids in the Underdark that are very cool and mm. glowy. And I I've always liked the idea of like like I love glowy underground stuff. I uh, I wrote some for Cavaliers of Mars, uh, based based on parts of things like Skyrim and and now PG three. And I like the idea of being like a glowy fungal character. Who is also a snake. 
ah, you could be so weird in this game. I love it. I love it. I love games where you can be weird. Yeah, that that is definitely the the case. Uh, I'm gonna draw fan art of this character. <laughs> I, I have seen I have seen ver some very strange characters uh, devised from the world below, and yet they always seem to fit perfectly uh, within the setting. Because yeah, chaos is is the driving force. Really, it's uh, it is the creator and the destroyer in this world. And that's chaos with a K. It is chaos with a K, although chaos with a CH also exists. Although not in the same capitalized fashion, right? Uh, we have an entire sidebar on that subject. Uh, so, yeah, uh, if you have done that, you should hopefully be able to uh, see on your paths chapter chapter two how many uh, dots you get for your attributes and which skills you get assigned. Uh, so please check that out. Uh, I believe. Did you say um, your dialectic is going to be on your, your minor path, Danielle? Uh, yes, it is a minor yeah. path for me. Okay. And yeah, major for you, Dixie. Mm. All right. So that does mean that Dixie's character is going to end up with more skill dots and attribute dots to spread across their dialectic, uh, mm. as well as three dots for contacts, whereas, uh, Dick, whereas Danielle, my apologies, is going to end up with fewer. Mm -hmm. At the moment. Yes, at the moment. So let's uh, see if you've got any clashes now. So Mycelae, for instance, the skills you would have been assigned for being a Mycelae are leadership, medicine, and persuasion. Yep. Interestingly, yes, two of those skills have appeared before, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, okay. I don't mind yeah. making extra in some of those. Like, I don't mind making a somewhat specialized character. Well, I recommend uh, assigning those, uh, picking two different skills. And the reason I recommend it is because characters in the world below can advance with experience really quite rapidly. Oh, okay. And if you find yourself doubling up on path skills, you will find yourself maxing out quickly in one aspect and not growing at all in any other. Okay, so I can just pick. Other skills I think work for my character. Yep, any two, any two other skills is what your is, choice. Is is there a max of dots that you think should start at this point? No, like that... uh, you can. You don't have to max out at three. You can max out at five at character creation if you want. Well, no, but I mean, if you're recommending spreading them out, do you think having them more at like one to three makes more sense in general? Uh, so. Yeah, uh, I think one to three works because when your character starts off, uh, the attributes are probably going to drive an awful lot of what your character does. And it makes sense narratively as well as mechanically. When you first start out, you're basing yourself on your raw ability. As you get better and better, you're more likely to be putting dots in your skills. And so that means that's when you sort of sharpen your focus and you get specifically good at this thing or that thing. Okay. So, so yeah, having um, one to three dots in a skill is absolutely reasonable uh, because you'll have some attributes that have four or five dots. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm going to expand with larceny and enigmas. Okay. Because those make perfect sense for my character. Yep, uh, we may see them pop up again when you get to silhouette. <laughs> Maybe, and then I'll pick new ones. It's yes, fine. I will exactly. make it all make sense. Yeah. And Danielle, you went for Kiabaka, so that would be empathy, ranged combat, and technology. Right, no overlap there. No overlap, none nice. at all. Okay. All right, then. Well, what I would suggest is before we step into the territory of callings... Mm -hmm. uh, we will call it there for our first episode. Have you named uh, your character, Daniel? No. Ooh. I do that so late <laughs> in a game. <laughs> <laughs> there was a name on the list that spoke to me, so I've, I've named my character. Oh, what was the name on the list that spoke to you? Was it Breen? Absolutely, it is Breen. <laughs> <laughs> if you think I would have picked anything but Breen after that, you are I added it for you, Dixie. <laughs> specifically there for you. And, and, nope. and I named myself that for you, so now you can run a game for Breen. Yeah. Oh. You uh, also was... could be described as a strange... Mushroom. Mushroom, mushroom creature. <laughs> I, I hope that you're a social character in some way, shape, or form, or maybe Eddie is, because I have so few social dots. I have, I actually ended up with, so I, I <laughs> did this kind of wrong and actually went through and did all my attribute dots already. And mm -hmm. I ended up with a, a fair amount of social, like more than I thought I would just from the things I had chosen. Yeah, yeah my, my Seelie uh, have 
a decent number of social attributes. Uh, I think they are social primary, in fact, out, out of the dialectics. Yeah. Uh, they... Mental is where I'm actually lacking the most, but that's okay. That's the point hmm. of this. Yeah. Okay, then. Well, in that case, Breen and, uh, and character unnamed, or... <laughs> <laughs> and tar name, I think, would be uh, what it would be called. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we will return uh, with our well below character creation to cover off callings and the heroic talents that you are going to be picking up for your characters as well. Yeah, I'm super excited to look through the uh, like skill spell lists, which I will make sure I do before our next recording because that would take even longer to read while we're talking. Uh, well, so I'll make sure I like get some some homework done on that one. <laughs> Well, the good news is, and uh, applies to you, and applies to any listeners who happen to read the manuscript when we uh, when when we start dropping it with the crowdfunding campaign, is yep, you can absolutely take your time and pick through your thesis, synthesis, sorcery lists uh, in detail. But in the character creation section, we also um, basically condense all that information down into tables complete with the prerequisites that you need for each power uh, they mm -hmm. all have a sort of one-line description and uh, while i'm sure uh, we will release an official character sheet as well at some juncture we do have a, uh, a, a an unofficial pdf version and an unofficial google sheets version which has all of that information loaded into it too uh, so basically you should be able to navigate that information pretty easily without having memorized the book in advance, is the point. Mm -hmm, definitely. All but right, no. then. I'm enjoying this. I uh, forgot that you get a, a fair amount of attribute dots to a character creation, which is nice. Yeah, it really threw me off as well. I remember when Danielle and I were speaking about it uh, way back when we were, I guess, when I was developing this and had some questions about attributes. It always felt like I had more attributes than I thought I should, but it ended up strangely evening out by the end of character creation. It, it basically wasn't terribly different from something like World of Darkness or Chronicles yeah. of Darkness. Yeah, definitely. So, anyway, with all that said, Dixie, if people want to find you and speak to you about Breen, <laughs> where would they go? I find me on pretty much any app-based website as Dixie Cyanide. I am mostly on Blue Sky these days. And of course, the Onyx Path Discord, where I'll be hanging out in most channels, but especially the Pathcast channel. Thank you. And how about you, Danielle, if you want to speak to you about TBD? <laughs> That's going to wind up being this character's name. Uh, I am also on the Onyx Path Discord. I am in most app places as at Impernius. Um, I spend a lot of time on Tumblr right now. Um, Dixie is convincing cool. me to try out Blue Sky. Uh, so <laughs> you, you may find me there. And you can find me on MatthewDawkins.com on the Onyx Path uh, Discord. And for as long as it's free, I will be on uh, X to the Z Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Dawkins MP. And uh, I look forward to next time when we go into the next part of the World Below Couch creation. Until then many worlds, one path counts. Mm -hmm.